All right. Good morning. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We're compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, being a community that serves the greater community. And to that, we do the best we can. Amen? Amen. Uh, It's good to be back and share that and get going. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we started uh, Romans chapter 9, and we did the first 18 verses. Today, we're going to do 19 through 33, jump back into our ongoing series in the book of Romans. Uh, It is great to have a break and find out what Mark Tyler can teach us from 360 Serve and the whole thing, despite some of the questionable videos that he showed about me, which... I heard about that. Um, but it's also great to be back into the Word and studying uh, and growing ourselves. Amen? So let's, uh, let's re- uh, take a second and remember uh, the first half of chapter 9, Paul is talking about an I- a-, a general idea that he's going to reference in verse 19. So in order to, for you to understand verse 19, when I start here in a second, You have to remember what Paul was talking about just the sentence before. The Lord shows mercy on whom the Lord Lord shows mercy. Right? Now that means He's merciful, but but there's another maybe greater thing that's being said there. What is it? What does God get to do? He gets to choose. He gets to do whatever He wants. He makes all the decisions. He can be gracious. He can be merciful. He can pass judgment. Whatever. And if he decides it and does it, is it good? By definition, it has to be, right? So that's the beginning where we're starting. Let's pray, and then we'll hit uh, verse 19 and keep going. Lord, thanks for this morning. Uh, Thanks for being back. Thanks for all the things that you've shown us over the past few weeks of ministries that we're involved in uh, directly or indirectly as a church. And I pray that you would show each of us what our own individual ministry is, wherever we are, that we might be promoting you, mindful of you, and growing in character. You would call righteousness towards the things that you call us to. And so I thank you for this morning. May our time in your word be about that. May you guide it through the word you entrusted to Paul and may your Holy Spirit bless it. We pray all this in your Son's name. Amen? Amen. Uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 19. Here we go. Uh, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? The reference there is, well, if the Lord wills whatever the Lord wills, if he offers mercy some places and not others, and he is in control of all things, we call it sovereignty, then why does he get to be mad at anybody? right? Why could he find fault in Fred if God has planned out every day for Fred? right? I mean, Fred's stuck. right? So Paul's making this argument and said, well, if you follow the logic, one, be careful, because your logic is what? Flawed, right? But if you follow the logic... Um, can God still find fault or could somebody resist His will? That's a great question. And insert the myriad of generational arguments around uh, do we have uh, predestination or free will? Has God determined all things or do you have a choice? Right? Um, by the way, we would sit here, I want everybody to do this. This is a little extra. You don't have to do this, but if you, this is a little interactive portion of the morning. Just take your hands and go like this. One of them is uh, uh, God's determination, and the other one is His free will, and I want you to just go like that. Well, that's a cute little thing, Scott, but how can they really go together? Ask Him when you get there. But apparently they work together. And this is what Paul's trying to help us in our, our finite thinking, our limited, flawed logic, how best can we understand this thing? If God gets to do whatever He wants, then how could He at the same time be frustrated with us or condemn something that we do? And here's Paul's answer. Who 
do you think you are? Right? This is how he says it. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Are you trying to tell God what to do? If he decides to get upset with you, he decides to get upset with you. And you should probably at that point pay attention, be responsive. But if, do you really want to pick a fight with God? Right? You, know, you ever, um, you're, you're playing ball as a kid and the ball goes over the fence of the house with the big yard and the huge dog. It's like, if you want the ball, great. But if you go in that yard, who you didn't deal with? The big dog, right? So don't, don't be surprised when you pick a fight that you can't win. Paul's kind of saying like, look, there's maybe more going on than we understand. And we should say amen to that. Uh, well, what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Do we get to say that to God? I want you to get your outlines out. It says uh, there at the top, it says Romans chapter 9, verse 19 through 33. And then what's it say right before that? There's nothing right before that. What's it say right after that? <laughs> what's it say? Why have you made me like this? It's a great question. If God really is in control of all things, then how were you made? Oh, fearfully and wonderfully. I read that in Psalm somewhere. Great. Practically, how were you made? Exactly the way He wanted you. Right? So, one of the most fair questions. Hey, God, this, this was your idea for me? That you wanted to make me this way? This is it? I didn't even make it to five foot ten. Come on, right? I'm, I'm a quarter inch short. You, you couldn't have given me you know, a few more inches, whatever. Hair's falling out. You could, you could have a bunch of questions for God. And they'd be legitimate questions. If He's in control of all things. Hey God, why have you made me like this? There's a very similar question. What's the purpose of life? Why are we here? These are great questions. And this is what I love about Paul and Romans. He's not dancing around arguing over whether we should have to wear robes when we sing in the choir. He's talking about important stuff. right? The choir robe thing is personal to me because we wasted a whole day of staff meetings for like three hours arguing about it at one of my previous sentencings. So, um, Do you get to say, as the molder, as the molded to the molder, why'd you do this? Has the potter no right, verse 21, over the clay? He's like, hey, wait a minute. You're my clay. I'm the one making stuff here. You got questions? Write them down. We'll see if we get to them. Has the, has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use. Here, this one is going to hurt. You ready? And another for dishonorable use. Ooh. Now, which one are you? When God made you exactly the way He wanted to make you, did He make you for honorable use or dishonorable use? Careful, don't out answer that one out loud. Right? This is the scary question in the back of the mind, in our subconscious, maybe in our fears, in our insecurities, in that esteem place or image place when we wonder, um, did God want something great from me? Or did He set me up for average? It's a dangerous question. Um, I'd make the argument there is no average. It does not exist. He made you for greatness in an area. Honorable. And then at other times, He made you for average everyday wear. Right? Uh, I know uh, like weddings now, the signing up for your China pattern isn't really a thing anymore. Right? Which plates you're going to get, which pattern. I guess, I guess the next generation isn't doing that. But I know for me, we've lived for years as married, 27 and counting. Amen? Ooh, ooh. Um, we've had this really nice stuff in the cabinet that we never use, <laughs> right? It comes out once a year, once every other year, who knows, right? And then in the other cabinet, 
we have plates that I use two to three times a day. Which one are you? Or are you both at different times? And the question is not, are you valuable or are you honorable or does God make mistakes? But how do you view it? What questions are you asking Him? How do you interact with Him? Are you discounting some of the roles and places where He has put you on purpose exactly the way He made you that you might have an influence for Him or just be average and stay out of the way because it's someone else's turn to be in the spotlight? I mean, does anybody else get a turn? That's a great question. I have fought my whole life to be in the spotlight. Can you tell? Fairly ironic, me saying that right now as I'm in the spotlight, right? Um, What I have started enjoying more and more is how do I facilitate the honorable use of others and step back out of the way and let people have their day. Do I need to be at the front controlling things, driving things? How about, how about we do something and someone else runs it? How about we do something and someone else makes the rules for it? How about I let my kids actually decide things that I used to decide because I was the dad? And I'll go with that and we'll see how it goes. Right? I mean, it might be a fun experience in them having a tremendous learning curve in a catastrophic fail. And then I get to say, well, I tried to tell you. But either way, to view none of it as risk. Zero potential loss. We'll be fine either way. Why? Because he's in control of all things. So why do you ask the questions you ask and what are the questions that you ask? Verse 22. What if... This is great. Any sentence that starts with what if, because what are the possibilities with what if? They're endless. Yeah. What if God, desiring to show His wrath and to make known His power... This, this is great. I mean, I know it's a what if. So this is, this is um, us being creative or imaginative. But why do you think Paul asked this question? What if God, wanting to show his wrath and his power, do you, do you think that was just random, like totally random? Or do you think Paul has some pretty strong feelings about God wanting to show his wrath and his power? Does Paul think God has wrath? Any guesses? Does Paul think God has some power? Yes. Does Paul think God wants to put both on display? He he absolutely does. Okay? We're getting closer to the answer of why are you made that way? Right? What if God, wanting to show His wrath and His power, has endured with much... What? What's that last word? Patience, vessels of, what are you? (laughs) Your vessels of wrath. Destined for that wrath and power, right? Prepared for destruction. Ouch. Right? We get in a fight with God, who wins? Okay, you're set up for destruction, right? In order to make known the riches of His glory for vessels of mercy. Oh, you you just got flipped, didn't you? You were vessels of wrath. But in order to say, this is how you started and how He made you, but in order to show how great He is in His wrath and His power, He's going to take you from a vessel of wrath to a vessel of mercy, which which He has prepared beforehand for what? Glory. Why were you made the way you were made? It's right there. Starts with G, rhymes with Lori. Why were you made the way you were made? 
for glory. On purpose, God made you the way you were to show glory. Will it take time? Well, I can't have patience without time. Is there dark sides that? Well, there must be because I, I'm, I was a vessel of wrath or I could still be. But He wants to make known the riches of His glory for vessels of mercy. I got mercy coming my way if I pursue it? Absolutely. Which He has prepared beforehand for glory. He uses that word twice. Glory. Now, at risk of ruining the rest of the sermon, you have your answer. Why were you made this way? For glory. Well, whose glory, Scott? God's or mine? We're at church. I gave you two options. And at this church, we have a specific answer for that. Are we trying to show God's glory or our own glory? We're trying to show both. God wants to show His glory in us when He glorifies us. Now, are we glorious in and of ourselves? Say no. Right? Uh, no, I'm going to give you back the, the normal question that we like to ask, okay? At a church, we ask a question. We usually have one specific answer, right? Um, who is the only one that is glorious? God, Jesus. Okay, right? Now we're here. But God, somehow in mercy and with patience, has said, mm, let me sprinkle some on you. Or let me sprinkle some through you to other people. Well, I don't see how I could be glorifying if I'm not even five foot ten, right? I'm balding, thank you, Doug. That was recorded, by the way. <laughs> I know, I know. So it 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 begs us the question of how are you looking at it? You know, to even ask the question, why did you make me this way? Why am I stuck in this situation? How come you let this thing happen? And I would correct you at that point and say, isn't let anything happen? Let sounds passive. I believe he's proactive. He lets nothing happen. He makes all things happen. What is your perspective in even asking the question? I mean, I could tell you a myriad of stories of me as a kid in front of my dad. Oh, dad, why? How come we can't? Why do we have to? And what's, what's the drive behind that type of question? Defiance, Scott. You're defiant and you need to stop. Okay. But I need a replacement behavior. Or I need a path. If we're going towards glory, and this is what I'm stuck with, how do I get to the glory? Okay, let's keep moving. We're gonna because we're gonna have good answers for that today. Verse 24. Even us whom he has called, you've been called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Could it be? What if God were doing this? Now, is this just a total hypothetical that he just randomly made up? Or does Paul actually suggest this to lead the witness? I think, Paul's saying, I think this is where God's going with this, folks. And he would never say this, but he's much smarter than all of us combined in his level of study into spiritual things. That's a safe statement, I think. What if God were doing that? And then he gives as reference a proof. He's going to quote Hosea, right? As indeed he says in Hosea, verse 25, those who were not my people, I will call my people. Who does God get to call his people? Anybody who wants? In fact, we sang it this morning. I am a child of God. Remember when we sang that a few minutes ago? Is it true? Yeah. Are you Jewish? Were you part of the original covenant? You weren't. How do you get to do that? Because he gets to call you and have you if he wants you. Right? And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. I think I like the second line. Even I'm Being called his people is one thing, but being called loved by him 
That's even better. And in the very place where it was said uh, uh, to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. What, what's, um, what's happened here is we've gone from uh, questioning God, hey, how, why have you made me like this, to Paul proving, wait a minute, you should be excited that he's called you at all in the first place that you're even talking to him or about him is a privilege and it's what he wants and it doesn't matter your genetics or your ancestry or any of that what matters the same thing verse 18 and previous his will what he wills and if by his will he wants you and is merciful towards you and here loving You still want to ask the question, why'd you make me like this? Here's God's answer. I made you like that to draw you in. Because I really like you and I love you. And right? That's what he that's how he feels. Verse 27, Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, as if uh, quoting one uh, prophet was enough. Now he's gonna quote Hosea, uh, Isaiah. Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea which was part of the original covenant. I will make your descendants more than the sand in the sea. Right? Only a remnant of them will be saved. Ooh. That one kind of hurts. For the Lord will carry out His sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, that was from Isaiah, and this next one's from Isaiah as well, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Why did you make me this? God, thanks for letting me be here. It's kind of what they're getting at. God makes sure that He gets to keep some people. And He forces that. But our tendency is to ask the wrong questions. Right? How come this? Why didn't you? Do I have to? Verse 30, what shall we say then? All right, what do we do with all this? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by, what's the word there? Faith. And the word's going to come up again. Okay, we've seen glory twice, now we're going to see faith twice. But, as it were, but uh, Israel was pursuing it as if it were based on works. And we know from Ephesians, at least, if we read or remember what Paul wrote there, that for it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, not as a result of works. Right? And Paul Paul shows they say look if if you have faith and you're a gentile you're in if you're an israelite and you have faith you're in but if you pursue either by works because you want to pr improve your status or your looks or make yourself five foot ten as if that somehow qualifies you you're pursuing the wrong thing and you'll be left out that's how we can go from the sand the numerous as the sands of the sea to most are wiped out they pursue the wrong they have stumbled over the stumbling block as it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. Whoever believes. Right? Is that faith? Can we go back um, to the previous slide for a sec? There, uh, right? They pursued it, uh, did not pursue it by faith. Right? And up above, a righteousness that is by faith. Um, uh, let's let's go to the end now and say, may the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Amen. Okay. So I just pointed out those two glories and those two faiths because here's your answer. Why were you made this way? Why did He make you like this? For glory through faith. For glory through faith. That that's really your answer, right? For glory through faith. Well, great faith. 
in what? I like. Can you give me some some practicals? I was always uh, that kid who I want to be in class in front of the professor. I want to interact and ask questions. Can you show me how you did it? You know, when we're trying to fix the car, I have to watch Dad do it because I want to see. Like, just tell me fix the car. <laughs> I don't know what to do, right? But if you go out there and you give me some practicals, I get to see them. Then we're in good shape. I, I want to give you. Four practicals this morning. I know I've been gone a little bit, so I figured I'd give you four instead of three and make up for some lost time, right? So what do we have in faith in? Um, and you're going to notice all of these revolve on God, okay? His, faith in His something, right? Anybody want to venture a guess what's the first one? Power. Oh, we flashed it? Faith in His power. What's that mean? That means there's one answer for the question, can He? There's only one answer. Yeah, you ever, you ever been somebody somewhere and somebody asked you a question? Yes, yesterday I was somewhere and, the, and they, somebody came out and asked the, dumb, like the dumbest question. Hey, we've got homemade apple pie with vanilla ice cream. Does anybody want any? And I was like, there's only one answer to that question, right? Of course, yes, right? You know, with God, there's a bunch of those kind of questions. Can he? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely, can he? How, how do you have faith in his power? How does that functionally play out? Like, Do you at times literally think about your situation and say to yourself, God can solve this? If He wants this resolved, He will. Or it will. When you ask that question or make that statement in your own head, you know that your body chemistry will start to change? Your physiology will start to change around, oh, it is possible for this to get better, and if it's staying a problem, God might have something else going on, but He can fix it. Now, will He? That has different answers, right? Multiple options, right? 100 people survey, top five answers on the board, right? I pick my guess, and then they say, and eh, that's not even one of them. Willie is questionable. But when I function in my head, yeah, he can. And if he's yet to, then what else is going on here? And now what have we done? We've changed perspective. If he can and he's yet to, then maybe he's working on something else. Maybe he's waiting for me to pay attention to something else. Maybe he's waiting for me to stop fixating on it or getting all temper tantrum-y. Go work on something else. Maybe he's waiting for me to calm down because when I calm down, and then it's time to take next step and next step requires a calm person. That's just one scenario of how it worked. But in, the, in your conversations with other people, when they're freaking out, do you have faith in His power to solve whatever they're freaking out about? Can you stay calm about it? Where do you take the conversation at that point? If you have faith in His power, does it change the way you look at other people? Their value. If you have faith in His power, does the value of money change in your mind? Does how you address your children, your parents, your spouse, does it change? Yes. Why? Because nothing is at risk anymore. He has the power. Absolutely. Well, rack them up. Let's play. This could get fun now. 
but I have to change my thinking and function as if I have faith in His power. Do you have any examples of that? Do you have any examples of faith in God's power where someone was maybe asked to do something very questionable, albeit impossible, and they decided to have faith in His power, and they went forward and kind of said, you know, maybe not my will, but His will be done. Do we have any examples of that? Like, I don't think I could do this, but regardless of the fact that I am sweating blood right now, I think I will go to my death and watch His power prove His glory through me. Did God show His power and Christ, His glory and Christ's glory in what He did on the cross? Absolutely. And I love, there's other fun ones with Jesus where He showed faith in His power and people would come to Him and say, hey, teacher, if you can, would you heal? And He said, if I can? I don't understand the question. We need to... Start functioning as if limits have yet to exist or no longer exist. The kind of power he's talking about claiming and has established, exampled for us, that does something to your vocabulary. It means limits might not be used as much in your vocabulary anymore. And when you use that word, you only use it towards humans and people yourself. We never use that word with God anymore. I mean, what's, what's possible with God? All things are possible with God. And yet, none of us act like it. We gotta start doing it if we're gonna experience it. Um, so that's the first one: faith in His power. That's that's where we have to start. And really, we start there um, one because it was the first one to show up in the passage, right? Power, and then there's the next one we're about to look at. But also, without this one, the rest of the next three don't really work. I mean, they they lose their power. I know that's cheesy, but. Um, the second one is this. You are made for glory through faith in His patience and therefore timing. Now, do those go together? Patience and timing? Kind of. Are they different? Say yes. Patience is about His character. Why is He patient? He wants to show His glory. He wants to show His mercy. He wants to show what He's uh, capable of. He wants to show it in you. Um, who is He patient with? Who He chooses. And when a conversation is just between me and you and God, who is He being? I mean, what's the implication? Who are we talking about? We're talking about you, right? Is God patient with you? Absolutely. Why? Well, because he's a patient God, yes. But what's true about you then? And we could find some truths about him in that statement. What's true about you? You're a ding dong. Wow, that, that is true. Let me think about that for a minute. Yeah. Um, are you valuable? If he's waiting for you, he's waiting for you. You're worth waiting for. Um, I would say you're worth dying for. That's great news. And then the question becomes, well, why is he waiting? Why is he being patient? Because now we get into the other one, timing. Just, just do it now, God. And we got drive through for almost anything. I, I, got, I can get curbside service for almost anything. God, where's my curbside service? What's God do with timing that frustrates us? 
waits till it's right for him. The thing I dislike about God's timing is it's his rather than mine. I have a great timeline. It really is. I really like it, all the pieces of it, right? And, and God says, yeah, no. You are going to mess things up six ways to Sunday. Is God accomplishing something when he uses his timing, when he waits? By the way, and we, we like to do this one. We like to do this one. Oh, he's making me wait, or it's taking forever, or who knows when, or when I finally know his will. We, we project things out with timing. You know there's a flip side to that where he could speed stuff up? You thought you were going to have to wait two years, and bam, it shows up this week. I wasn't quite ready for that yet. God, uh, what do I do now? Could God speed things up? He absolutely can. And if we want things sped up, what's he waiting for? Why is he being patient? Has he got a problem? Is he imperfect? Is he incapable? No. There's one faulty or flawed variable in the equation between you and God. Which side of it is? Him or you? Most of the time, when we ask that question, why have you made me like this? It's because we have dissatisfaction in something that he's done on purpose and is actually good. And you could be running with it and you're, oh man, you know, kicking the can down the road. And then we say, well, what are you waiting for? And what's his answer? You. I'm waiting for you. My best example is starting this church. I just, I was waiting and wait, when God does, you know, da, 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 and finally I realized, I, I don't think we're waiting on anything else anymore except for me to just start. Linda Burquist, we had here a few weeks back, talking about, right? And she was the catalyst for us starting. I remember sitting across from the table from her and her saying to me, Scott, um, you just need to start meeting. I'm like, what do you mean? I don't have any money. I don't have any people. I don't have a place. I know, but you just need to start meet. Just start. Get up, go. Okay. Bam, here we are. God was waiting on me because He wanted to do things in me to have me ready for what was next or future, whatever it was. Uh, and by the way, can we ever know all of those things? Never. Just can't. But we have to believe that He can, power, that He will at some point, timing, and that he's patient or caring. He's waiting for the right time for all things considered. That's great. Now, you could go dark with those two. That he's super powerful and he's waiting for the right timing and he's patient and we're going to wait and then, and then right at the right time, bam, I got gotcha. you. We're going to have lightning strike, right? I brought somebody into the church this week who's not been to church in, who knows, maybe years or ever. And we came walking in the door. What did they say? Well, is the lightning going to strike? It's like, oh, that's the greatest joke that I've never heard before in the last three minutes, right? You know, there, we could have a God who, yeah, he's powerful and he's patient and he's got some timing so that he can really destroy us. Well, I could get him now, but it wouldn't be as painful. If I wait a little bit longer, I can hurt him and his family. Right? That's, that's dark, Scott. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I just fell and I hit my head a bunch of times when I was a kid. So what do we need then? We need a positive God? You want to have faith and establish his glory you have to have faith in his power his patience and his timing but you also you better pair that with his mercy and it's in the passage it's verse 23 that we were vessels of mercy now does it say something about god yes he's merciful he cares about us but does it say again something about you are you valuable and what's his trajectory for you 
Is it really wrath? Because that was in the passage too. And that could have been a fill-in. Do you have faith in His wrath? His destruction and judgment, right? We could get an accent and give all, you know, hellfire and brimstone. But mercy kind of negates that whole thing. Which is so great because I, I hate being hellfire and brimstone. I just, it's, I, it's so dark. I love that the mercy comes in because what does it say about our trajectory? What's the intended path for us? Glory? That's a good one. Let's get some synonyms. What else? How else could you say it? Good stuff? Healing? How about fun? God was merciful to you. Would He just like take your affliction away? Or after that, oh, now let's have a really nice Cobb salad. Homemade ranch. Let's, let's have some fun. Let's enjoy. Let's indulge. Let's, let's do some good stuff. Is that what He wants for you? you know, so here's the problem. There's, a, um, there's another verse that said, there's a way that seems right to a man. We, we think we have answers. And the path, the road, leads to destruction. Asking God why you were made that way is getting some toes onto the wrong path of what you think is right. And the more you can bank on His mercy, bank that He's headed the direction and taking us there with Him that we're going to actually enjoy. And now we're getting closer to those phrases in the Bible that say, you know, the desires of your heart. That's pretty awesome. I... um. I was thinking about this since I published the outline for our tech staff and everything. And I came across, you know, he, he quotes Hosea. He quotes Isaiah in this, all, this, this short passage three to four times, depending on how you want to look at it. But I'm, I was looking through that and I found something else in, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. And I, th I thought it fit with this so well, this whole idea of his power, his patience, his timing, his mercy. Isaiah 30, 18 says this, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. The Lord waits to be gracious to you. We were talking about patience a second ago, and I use it, why does He wait on you? That word wait came from me studying this this week. It stuck in my head from this passage. He waits in order to be gracious to you. And therefore, He exalts Himself to show mercy to you. He does something with His own glory in exalting His own plans, His own timing, and doing whatever He wants, whenever, however, with whatever, and whomever. He does that, like elevates Himself in order to show mercy to you. There's something good coming out the backside of it for you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait him i love that what are you waiting for <laughs> right we asked that question with the wrong intent i'm waiting for god hey how come you haven't did it i'm waiting for god be a fun little answer to give people when they're hey uh why are you waiting by your car i'm waiting for god now you're gonna weird some people out and they probably won't talk to you again but you, you'll have fun for a moment um, is God merciful towards other people? People that you're uh, upset with, arguing with, your spouse, your kids, your parents, what person that uh, came after you in business and you lost money? Yeah. Any guesses on if we're supposed to exemplify power, patience, timing, and mercy ourselves? Yeah. How, how do you do that? I th here's the last one. And, and this one, <clears throat> I know some people will say, Scott, that's just a little cheeky. That's like an excuse for a fourth one. It's not really a fourth one. And, and I want to 
challenge you to be careful on this one. Because it, it looks... Mm, oh, come on, Scott. That's what it looks like. But I think the more we talk or think about it, I think especially when you leave this place over the next few days, I hope this sinks in. Because this, this one has been spinning in my head for a few days now. Right? He has made you like this for glory through faith in faith. Have faith in faith. We put our faith in our works or other things. But really, that's just faith in faith. You are putting faith in the things that you're pursuing. Yourself, your own accomplishments, your intellect, your status, your resources, whatever. We are faith people by nature. I believe that if I do certain things, I can get ahead, I can sustain my body, I can help other people, whatever. We have to learn how to take our faith and put it in the concept that we are faith-based people and then decide where are we putting that faith. Because that changes the question. When I wrote this down and put it on the outline and you read it for the first time, or whatever, you saw it up there, what, what's the first feeling you get from that? Oh, I'm questioning God. Why have you made me like this? It comes from discontent. I'm questioning him because I think there was a better answer. When we learned how to have faith in faith of him. Hey God, why have you made me like this? Becomes a different question. When you say it that way, now what are you asking? God, what do you want today to be about? You made me like this today. What did you make me like this for today? Where do you want me to have an influence? Where can I show mercy? Where can I go be patient or speed up the timing or help the timing? Where can I bring some power? Your power. How could we do glory today, God? And now it's a totally different question. Amen? Um, we're at church and so we're supposed to challenge you and say a prayer and call you to some decision and you're supposed to like stand up or raise your hand or get eye contact with me if you're thinking this today regardless of all that there's four things on the board that you could put faith in <laughs> one passage survey top four answers on the board which one will you work on It's impossible to get that one wrong, but of those four things, what's the one that's hardest or you question, doubt? Which one's easiest? Well, I know that. Which ones can you move on to? Where can you put your faith this week? And that might be a prayer. God, where do you want me to put my faith this week? Lord, thanks for our time in your word thanks for the complexity of what we saw this morning and the simplicity at the same time lord i'm just all week i've been a little surprised at the different things that are in this lord thank you that we can ask you any question and that you do answer and that you can Pray, Lord, that we would see things through your eyes. Have faith in that. Faith in you. And if there's anyone that needs to make that decision is yet to, Lord, may, may they say that prayer today. I start my faith in you, Christ, today. I accept your finished work on the cross, your death for me, the forgiveness of my sins, your lordship in my life as designed and created from the beginning. And I recognize now why I was made. And if that's you, then we want to we be part of that and help you. Let us know.
And then, Lord, for people who've already made that decision, uh, what, what would you have us put our faith in today, this week? Maybe it's people. Stir in us where you're calling us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, just a reminder, uh, uh, tithing and donations and offering stuff, we're, we've started doing differently. We have a box in the wall on the back, bolted in there. There's envelopes and pens. You can write things on there if you want to know. Uh, send it directly to something like India or Mexico, or if it's just general fund, you don't have to write anything. But we're, we're doing the physical offerings back there um, for a while and see how that goes. Um, so we have all the same online options as well. Um, so there you go. And then this morning we get to do communion. And uh, in light of what we've talked about, I really love what, what Jesus did with the disciples. He said, hey, uh, this represents one thing. This represents another. Now remember, and over the next couple of days, he showed them. Why remember? To see that Jesus proved what he said, and it would build their what? Starts with F, right? It builds their faith. And we remember, he can do all things. He does want good for us. That's part of what we do in communion, right? And the very word is what? Commune? Who are we meant to commune with? Be put together with? With God. And it's for this reason Jesus took the bread, He broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. He took the wine. He said, this is the blood of a new covenant, a new deal. One based on faith rather than works. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of Me. Faith in Him. Lord, thank you for this option, this reminder, this repetition. Amen? Amen. Come join. May you know why you were made like that. Amen? Go with him. <laughs>